Uh, apologies for kind of imposing myself as a speaker um, at this conference. It is meant to be a conference where we want to um, explore the interaction between ancient and contemporary philosophers working in the area of philosophy of mind. And Mick and I cannot resist the temptation of um, putting ourselves on the program just to share more in the fun of the party. So bear with me. I want to present some thoughts on uh, the problem of common sensibles. And as I say with my title, I want to say something about what Aristotle thought about this question of how we perceive the common sensibles, but it's not a question that only Aristotle thought about. In fact, uh, this kind of question has attracted attention, uh, not only among ancient scholars who have who studied it in the context of what Aristotle says about it, but also in contemporary uh, philosophy. And one example for is Michael Tai, who wrote a paper on the com on the problem of the common sensibles. So the question is that, that I want to address in this talk, yes, in a sense, originates with Aristotle because Aristotle is the one who first explicitly draws a distinction between qualities that are perceptible via a single sense only and he calls them the special sensibles, and then, on the other hand, qualities that are perceptible by more uh, than one sense at once, and these are the ones that he calls the common uh, sensibles. The question that I want to uh, investigate here is what are the ontology and the epistemology of the common sensibles, particularly in light of Aristotle's own thesis that each sense organ is sensitive to only its own special sensibles. So, it's obviously uh, problematic for someone like Aristotle to, uh, or at least difficult or challenging for someone like Aristotle to explain how, if we have only five senses and each sense is uh, sensitive only to one type of perceptible quality, how do we get to perceive these common sensibles, which are by nature perceptible by, by more than one sense at once? So, this is my question. So, the question has been uh, addressed differently uh, by various philosophers, but also even Aristotle's answer to this question has been interpreted differently by uh, different scholars. On one side of the debate, there are people like myself who think that Aristotle uh, solves or addresses the question by postulating that there are extra perceptual powers that the uh, five senses are endowed with uh, when operating together and these extra perceptual powers are what allow perception of common sensibles. So, if you will, I uh, support a robust interpretation of the common sense. I want to say that when the senses operate together, integrated in a perceptual system, uh, they have more uh, perceptual abilities than the ones that they have when they, uh, if they were considered uh, in isolation. So uh, that's uh, one side of the debate. That's the one that I support. But the other side uh, argues that actually we don't need to postulate any extra uh, perceptual power uh, for perception of the common sensibles. That is a kind of deflationary approach to the common sense. The common sense is nothing over and but at least for perception of the common sensibles, we don't need to postulate uh, any extra power over and above the ones that the five senses are endowed to. And this is the position that most recently has been def defended by Thomas Johnson in his book uh, just um, out, which is on the table for whoever wants to browse it, The Powers of the Soul. Uh, in taking this view, um, Johnson actually uh, endorses the thesis that before him uh, Pavel Gregorich had also uh, defended. So. They are on the same camp, and that's a camp with, with, with which I uh, disagree. Of course, there are other possible ways of addressing the question outside Aristotelian interpretations. For some, like uh, Mike, 
Michael Tai, the problem of the common sense world is what actually should motivate us to give up the uh, initial assumption of Aristotle that we have just five senses sensitive each to only one type of special sensible. So there is the, the response is, is very different. If I had more time, I'd like to go into um, uh, the type of uh, answer that Mike Tige is to this question, but I don't have actually the time, although I was hoping to. Um, it's not something that I can do here. So here I'll confine myself only to Aristotle. Okay, and probably I will actually have the time mostly to talk about my own interpretation and very little about other possible uh, interpretations of Aristotle. So indulge me if I just talk about me. <laughs> uh, it's just that I think it will be beneficial to say less, uh, but more clearly than try to say a lot, but less clearly. Without further ado, what I want to do in this paper uh, is to introduce the basic assumptions of Aristotle's, uh, Aristotle's theory of perception that might feel a bit repetitive to those who are already very familiar with this, but might be helpful to those who are not into this kind of research uh, primarily. Then I want to talk about the problem of complex perceptual content, which is a, a problem that goes beyond just perception of the common sensibles only, it's in, it's in the background to the question that I want to specifically address. Then I want to talk a bit about um, what Aristotle calls incidental or accidental or indirect perception. And I want to do this first because it might be taught that incidental perception is a solution for the problem of the common sensibles, but uh, I will argue it is not the case. And uh, here I come to the last uh, and most substantial part of my paper, which is my own interpretation of how, for Aristotle, perception of the common uh, sensibles takes place. Time permitting, I will also go into alternative interpretations of uh, how Aristotle addresses the question of perception of the common sensibles. So. The five senses. So for Aristotle, the world is given to our experience as diver diversified by five fundamental types of perceptible uh, qualities, colors, odors, sounds, tastes, and the tangibles. It is because the world is diversified by five uh, fundamental types of perceptible. It is because the world is diversified by five fundamental types of uh, qualities that animals and humans in particular are endowed with five senses to perceive these. In general terms, the power to perceive uh, is the ability of the senses to be causally acted upon by these five qualities in the world. This ability to be acted upon by a perceptible quality is for Aristotle found only in matter. This is why animals need sense organs. So there are five types of qualities out there. We are endowed with five uh, faculties to perceive them, but these faculties can operate only if in matter. So that's why for Aristotle, there need to be five sense organs, each corresponding to one um, uh, 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 um, faculty of perception. So Aristotle says, for example, that the eye is the master of sight. Just one example, but uh, it is the same for each um, faculty of perception. It has its own uh, sense organ. So from this assumption, that is that because there are five types of qualities, that we have five faculties of perception, uh, a central thesis in Aristotle's account of perception follows. The thesis is that each type of perceptible quality in the world, i.e. each type of what Aristotle calls a special sensible, individuates different sense a special sense. Uh, so for each type of special sensible there is a special sense with its own sense organ. 
So Aristotle writes in one of the passages you have on the handout, uh, quote, I call by the name of special sensible of this or that sense, that which cannot be perceived by any other sense than that one. In this sense, for example, color is the special object of sight, sound of hearing, flavor of taste, and so on and so forth. End of quote. How does perception take place? Well, I already anticipated it. Perception takes place when the perceiver and the object of perception causally interact. I have a kind of causal powers account of that interaction, but that doesn't matter so much for the, for the current uh, discussion. That causal interaction brings about an alteration of the perceiver's sense organ by the object of perception. This is how Aristotle describes it, quote, perception consists in being moved and acted upon for it seems to be a sort of quality change. The details, and not only the detail, the substance of what Aristotle means with this statement, uh, are controversial. The interpretation has divided ancient and modern commentators. What is this alteration? Some, uh, uh, some of this discussion entered in um, Victor's uh, Q&A session. Uh, it doesn't matter for me here to work out the details to address the question, but I just want to say this is what Aristotle you know, for, for the benefits, who does the read the anima every day, it is how Aristotle defines perception. We are still discussing what means by alteration, but that's perception results from the causal interaction between the object and the sense organ, and it is uh, the result of a alteration of the sense organ. Now, what follows from this, though, that is important for my um, current concerns is this, that for Aristotle, uh, there is a one-to-one -one correspondence between the type of an instantiated perceptible quality, the type of the corresponding alteration of the sense organ, and the type of content of the resulting perceptual experience. So, for example, there is a one-to-one -one correspondence between this desk's color, the uh, modification of my eye when I look at it, and the uh, content of my visual experience of, the, uh, of this desk. Aristotle puts the point this way, it's a quote on your handout, he says, quote, it is impossible that what is one and the same, i.e. a sense, should be moved at one and the same time with contrary movements insofar as it is undivided and in an undivided moment of time. For uh, if what is sweet be the quality perceived, it moves the sense in this determinate way, while what is bitter moves it in a contrary way, and what is white in a different way, end of quote. So, um, the reason why I'm reading out this quote is that Aristotle puts the point really strongly. It seems impossible that one and the same sense uh, can get altered by two different types of perceptible qualities, or even two different tokens of the same type of perceptible quality. And I mean, this formulation is very strong, uh, and uh, it shows somehow uh, how stiff the challenge of explaining for uh, perception of common sensibles becomes for Aristotle. From what I already said, it follows also that the uh, perception by the special senses of the special perceptibles for Aristotle is infallible. He says, for example, quote, each sense as one kind of object which it discerns and never errs in reporting that what is before it is color or sound, though it may err as to what it is to be what it is that is colored, or where that is, or what it is that is sounding, or where that is, some objects are what we propose to call the special object of this or that sense, end of quote. 
So what Aristotle is saying that, uh, there that sight, for example, cannot be mistaken about whether it is perceiving color or not. Aristotle himself does not provide explicitly an argument for the infallibility of special perception, but I think uh, the argument can be easily supplied. It must be that sight nev is never mistaken about uh, the fact that he perceive, perceives color, because only color can stimulate the sense organ of sight. So it is um, infallibility uh, stance that Aristotle takes derives from the one-to-one -one correspondence principle that he um, has posited. So sight cannot be mistaken about whether it is perceiving color or not, uh, because only color can activate the uh, ability of the sense organ, namely the eye, to be um, uh, to be seen. On the other hand, anything beyond color could be a matter of mistake for uh, for the sense organs. Aristotle himself does not give much details about what it is that we can be mistaken about, but I take it that we can be mistaken about, well, certainly he says we can be mistaken about the bearer of that color, so we could be mistaken about whether it is a chair or a table, for example, and maybe we can be mistaken about a particular hue of uh, the color and so on and so forth, but we cannot be mistaken that is a color that we are seeing. I don't go more into this claim of infallibility. Uh, I, I think it's really interesting, but here I just want to sketch it because I will draw a bit of a contrast with the perception of common sensibles uh, on the matter of fallibility or infallibility of the senses. So far, in a sense, so good because we the world is differentiated in five uh, types of qualities. We are well endowed with exactly the number of senses we need to perceive these qualities, and the senses, when perceiving these qualities, are never wrong. So it seems that so far so good. On the other hand, it takes very little reflection to see that the five senses don't serve us very well if all they do for us is just to give us this, uh, uh, we could call um, unimodal type of content. So um, sight just gives, gives me um, here and now, uh, green as the uh, content of my visual experience of this table, for example, cannot give me as such the capacity, to, the, the, you know, it cannot give me sight as such, cannot give me in one and the same content a comparison, a discrimination between the black of this laptop and the green of this table. So, um, obviously the story needs to be enriched much more, uh, otherwise it would be very um, poor theory of perception that Aristotle would give us. What makes it particularly poor is that the five senses as such, taken individually, seems to deliver to us only arrays of these joint perceptibles, so just color, sound, odor, and so on. But what we are certainly missing is objects, right? In, um, we cannot perceive objects unless Aristotle tells us more. Uh, we are not uh, very well endowed at all, after all, for navigating the world around um, us. And not only there is this issue that we cannot perceive um, objects as clusters, unified clusters of properties, there is also the issue that we are missing out on further uh, properties that it's, reasonable, it's plausible to think are perceptible, uh, namely, um, for example, movement, continuity, space and time, uh, shape and so on and so forth. These are the common sensibles. So clearly Aristotle needs to say more. What he needs to do is to um, give us a mechanism through which we can uh, have complex perceptual con content as opposed to just unimodal uh, perceptual content. Uh, complex perceptual content is fundamental because it allows, um, uh, fundamental in the sense that 
without that, there are a variety of perceptual um, operations which we would not be able to perform, but in fact we do perform. So to explain fully perception, Aristotle has to say more. So these operations which Aristotle explicitly acknowledges are, for example, simultaneous perception, uh, whether it is within one sense modality, for example, seeing the blueness of the sky and the whiteness of the clouds, and also across sense modalities, so seeing uh, the blueness of the sea and hearing the sound of the waves, so all these at the same time. So simultaneous perception uh, requires complex perceptual content. Even more importantly, cross-modal binding requires complex perceptual content, for example, perceiving a sweet thing which is white, a cube of sugar, for example. Uh, perceptual discrimination also requires the possibility of complex perceptual content where I just gave you the example of the laptop being black and the table being green. To make this discrimination I have to have in a single perceptual content both the green and the black at once. And then of course perceptible of uh, perception of common sensibles which are multimodal uh, sensibles. This also requires the possibility that our perceptual content allows for complexity and not for simplicity. So it's clear from the fact that Aristotle recognizes that we do perform these activities, that this is the need for accounting for how complex perceptual content comes about. Before uh, investigating a bit more how this complex perceptual content can come about, um, I want to briefly mention something that has already been discussed yesterday, that um, uh, Aristotle had the option uh, of taking a different line of thinking, which in fact uh, Plato uh, took, that is that uh, we don't perceive uh, complex perceptual content, we just put together perceptible qualities into unified clusters, not by means of our perceptual powers, but rather by involving uh, some sort of thinking power. That is an option. Uh, uh, Plato endorsed something like that. Plato didn't, uh, particularly, I think Richard Sramja has a nice paper on this topic, uh, bringing out why Aristotle was committed to giving an account of at least some forms of complex perceptual, uh, co complex perceptual content that uh, would be accessible to animals too, where animals don't have any thinking powers of the kind that Plato brought into the picture. So Aristotle wants to stand by the claim that uh, we perceive objects, we uh, perceptually discriminate, uh, we perceptually get aware of movement, continuity, shape and so on and so forth. So how does uh, a perceiver do all this? Well, I take the following line, I will say more, but let me just state it. Um, this uh, complex perceptual content I talked about requires its own uh, distinctive type of perceptual uh, activity and if so, and if Aristotle uh, endorses some or even initiates what is called nowadays faculty psychology, given that there is some new activity here uh, happening, there need to be some new, uh, there is some additional activity that taking place, so there need to be an additional perceptual power that uh, whose fulfillment allows us to uh, get complex perceptual content. So I take the line that more perceptual powers than just the five basic ones are to be uh, introduced. And these powers are the ones that the senses acquire when they operate in an integrated perceptual system, when they act as one, to use Aristotle's expression. And this is this acting as one, this coming together in an integrated perceptual system is what is known uh, as the common sense in Aristotelian terms. 
So before um, looking at uh, 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 with more detail at that, I want to introduce now this idea that uh, not only there is a special perception by the special senses of the special sensibles, there is also what Aristotle called there are also what Aristotle called cases of incidental or indirect perception. These cases of incidental perceptions are uh, interesting uh, for the following reason. Uh, Aristotle acknowledges that perceptible qualities falling within the remit of one special sense may be perceived actually through another special sense too. But this is indirect or incidental perception. How is it possible? Does it contradict what Aristotle has already said? Well, this is how he describes incidental perception. Quote, the senses perceive each other's special objects incidentally this incidental perception takes place whenever sense is directed at one and the at the same moment to two disparate qualities in one and the same object, for example, to the bitterness and yellowness of bile. End of quote. Um, another example is the perception of what is sweet by sight. So Aristotle says, uh, in the case of perception of what is sweet by vision, we have a sense for each of the two qualities, namely white and sweet, in virtue of which, when they happen to meet in one sensible object, for example milk, we are aware of both contemporaneously." End of quote. So, what, what sort of conclusion can we draw from these two brief uh, quotes? Well, that uh, incidental perception of the sweet by vision happens when the white and the sweet are perceived through vision at the same time. Uh, so that's one necessary condition for incidental perception to take, to take place. But there is more than this condition. There is a second requirement, that is that um, the white and the sweet uh, belong to the same object, for example, milk. So for Aristotle, yes, it is possible that the sense perceives indirectly the special sensible of another sense, but this can happen only when the, uh, let's say, uh, when sight perceives the sweet, when the we, incidentally, when sweet is instantiated at the same time with something that is the proper object of sight, namely the white. So this is how uh, incidental perception takes place. But the story is not complete. The question is, does the perceiver need to be aware that the white and the sweet are two qualities of the same object or not for incidental perception to take place? Well, it seems that to be aware that, it uh, that she is perceiving incidentally uh, sweet through sight, for example, the perceiver must indeed be aware that the two perceptible qualities belong to the same objects. Because if she didn't have this kind of awareness, she wouldn't know uh, that um, the white is incidentally uh, sweet. Uh, but then the question becomes, how does the perceiver become aware of this? And Aristotle's answer um, in, uh, in your handout is this. He says the senses perceive each other's special objects incidentally, not because the percipient sense is this or that special sense, but because all form a unity. This incidental perception takes place uh, whenever sense is directed at one and the same moment to two disparate um, qualities in one and the same object, e.g. to the bitterness and the yellowness of bile. The assertion of the identity of both cannot be the act of either of the senses, end of quote. So from this quotation, we now see that uh, in, the, in incidental perception, uh, there is one special sense involved, two 
uh, different types of special perceptibles um, being instantiated at the same time in the same object. And there is also a judgment, uh, uh, perceptual judgment of the unity of these two sensibles. Who can do this judgment? Well, Aristotle talks about a sense doing it, uh, but also explicitly denies that either of the two special senses can do it. So, what is the sense that can have this uh, perceptual judgment? It must be uh, the senses uh, operating together, uh, namely the common sense, which uh, can uh, presumably detect more than the special senses can detect individually. So, even if the common sense, namely the integrated perceptual system, is constituted by the special senses and relies totally on the input that comes in from the special senses because it does not have a, a sense organ of its own. Um, nevertheless, uh, it is endowed by, uh, it can do more than the special senses, hence it must be endowed with extra perceptual powers over and above the uh, perceptual powers that each sense um, has if taken by, um, if, if operating by itself. I, uh, before moving on, I want to make a qualification. I've been talking about the senses perceiving and, uh, several times I said this. I don't want here to be misunderstood. I don't mean that each sense, you know, does its own perception is a kind of mini agent, you know. I, uh, always, uh, intend to say that the perceiver perceives via the senses, but the senses are the channel, if you will, uh, where the perceptual content comes in and they allow perceptual content to come in for the perceiver by having certain perceptual powers or abilities which get activated in the causal interaction with the objects uh, or, or the qualities of percep perceptible qualities uh, in the world. Here, by close my excursus on in, indirect and incidental perception, to which I will come back um, later on, and want to move uh, now more directly into the question of perception of the common sensibles. Um, as I say, just for clarity in my argument, I want to reiterate that I introduced a mechanism for incidental perception because uh, one might think, and I'll give you some reasons why, one might think that maybe uh, incidental perception is just a mechanism that we need to use to perceive common sensibles. And then I'll give my reasons why this, I think, doesn't work, and I'll give the alternative. So, and I'll come directly to the question of perception of the common sensible. So, it seems a fact, I evident to Aristotle, that not only there are uh, special uh, sensibles that we perceive, but there are also uh, what he calls the common sensibles. And I'll define more accurately what common means in this content. But certainly, there are extra properties over and above the five types that the special senses are sensible to that we perceive. Um, these so-called common sensibles are introduced in Book 2 of the De Anima uh, in this way. Aristotle says, quote, common sensibles are movement, rest, number, figure, magnitude. So there is number of them. Now, here is the key point about the common sensibles. They are not special sensibles of any of the five senses. Aristotle says this explicitly. On the other hand, he also says explicitly that there is no special sense for them either. So, uh, he writes, it is clearly impossible that there should be a special sense for any one of the common sensibles, for example, movement. But now we are facing a challenge. So, it is a fact that we perceive these uh, so-called common sensibles. They are not the special sensibles of any of the five senses, but there is no special sense that perceives them either. So, how do we 
perceive them? Well, the first step towards answering this question uh, is this. It must be possible for the special senses to have access to the common sensibles, because otherwise the common sensible would not, would not be perceived at all. But on the other hand, Aristotle is committed to the fact that we perceive them. We don't achieve understanding of them via some thinking capacity. We perceive the common sensibles, but we don't have a special sense for them, and they are not the special sensibles of the five senses. So uh, there must be some way uh, that the special sensible, uh, sorry, the special senses have access to the common sensibles for the, for the common sensibles to be perceived at all. So how does this take place? Well, Aristotle, with reference with the to the case of movement, which is one of the common sensibles, writes, there are certain kinds of movement which are perceptible by, by touch and sight. Okay, this is an explicit statement, but needs interpretation. So what, are, what does Aristotle mean here? That is, does he mean that each common sensible, for example, movement, is perceived by each one of the special senses. So when he says that movement is perceived by touch and sight, does he mean that touch perceives movement and sight perceives movement? That's one option. Um, I find it very unlikely, but Thomas Johnson defends his um, interpretation. Another option is to think that Aristotle is claiming here that each common sensible is perceptible by more than one special sense. Uh, that's the option that I have, or I think maybe that's mainstream reading. I see Victor and uh, Jean-Louis uh, nodding, so I feel very reassured in continuing. But let me give you two other options that are conceivable. So um, one could think, uh, alternatively, that the common sensible's perception requires all the senses operating together. Uh, i.e. the senses doing something common, and here I found uh, Steve's talk yesterday quite interesting, it, it would be a kind of collective agency of some sort. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an option that I think could be explored, even if it's not the one that Aristotle endorses. Let me give you the fourth one, uh, just to make matters a bit more complicated. The other way of reading what Aristotle says is that maybe each common sensible, for example, movement, is perceptible by, by more than one special uh, sense operating together with others, whether all or just some of them. So I think that prima facie, Aristotle's statement is so brief, is so elliptic, that allows us to put uh, forward at, uh, at least as possibilities these four possible readings. But I find plausible and you know, more justified both philosophically in relation to Aristotle's commitments and also in relation to the way the Greek text, I think, um, reads to take the second option, namely that what Aristotle is claiming is that the common sensibles are perceptible by more than one of the special senses. And here I'm happy to get consensus from um, Victor and Jean-Louis. For Aristotle, then, the co common means that the common sensible is sensible that is perceptible by one, more than one special uh, sense. So the common sensibles are such that they are somehow perceptible by uh, more than one sense. How precisely? Well, I think here there is a um, there are two um, possibilities. Aristotle might be thinking that movement, for example, or shape or whatever, uh, is detected through sight and through touch in such a way that we perceive the visible shape and the tactile shape as different sensibles. That's one position. 
If this is not the case, then things seem difficult because how is then possible that instead we perceive visible tactile shape? I, I mean, visible uh, dash tactile dash shape. If um, shape is not perceived as visible shape and tactile shape, then it must be perceived as visible tactile shape. But that seems difficult uh, in view, in, in consideration on, uh, of what Aristotle thinks that no special sense can cross over into the domain of any other of the special uh, sensible. So if this is the case, what I'm getting at is that how could sight uh, perceive visible tactile shape if sight cannot be sensitive to anything that is not visible, this is what I'm saying, this is what um, uh, makes us puzzled. Well, and here is where one might think that incidental perception is the mechanism through which uh, sight can actually perceive visible dash tactile dash shape. Um, and in fact, Aristotle himself explicitly uses the word incidental for the perception of the common sensibles, and that's why I find worthwhile thinking about how this could possibly work. Uh, before telling you how this could possibly work, I just want to say that although Aristotle explicitly says that common perceptibles are inc perceived incidentally by the special sensibles, he also uh, says explicitly that the um, uh, special senses perceive the common sensibles without qualification. So there are two different problems, basically, that I want to go into. One is that what would it mean uh, for Aristotle to, uh, uh, how could Aristotle account for the perception of the common sensibles via incidental perception, uh, if this is the way that he thinks we should go? And the second question is, is he inconsistent when he says on the one hand that perception of the common sensibles is, take, uh, is done, uh, is a case of incidental perception by the special senses, and then when elsewhere he also says that the special senses uh, perceive without qualification the common sensibles. So I hope the two questions are, are, are clear enough. Now, first, could Aristotle really mean that we perceive the common sensibles via the special sensibles, uh, via the special senses by means of incidental perception? How could we understand this? Well, Aristotle says, quote, there cannot be a special sense organ for the common sensibles, i.e., the objects which we perceive incidentally through this or that special sense. And then it gives the examples that I already gave you, movement, rest, figure, magnitude, number, unity. So um, this is the commitment. It, it, this is where I thought it seems to be committed to the idea that we don't have a special sense organ for the common sensibles because we can perceive them through this or that special sense, sense uh, incidentally. Now, I want you to bring you back now to what I said before about the mechanism for incidental perception. Recall that there were two um, constraints for uh, incidental perception to be possible. One was that the two different types of special sensibles would be uh, instantiated at the same time. And the other was that they would be instantiated in the same object. For example, sight can perceive the sweetness of milk incidentally by perceiving the milk's uh, white color. So white and sweetness have to be unified somehow in a third object, milk. Uh, and that's how uh, sight, by perceiving white, accidentally can uh, perceive sweet, um, where both sweet and white belong to milk. Now, 
If Aristotle really wanted to explain the incidental perception of a common sensible on the same model as the incidental perception of a special sensible, he would have to say that sight, for example, incidentally perceives movement by perceiving a color that happens to be coincidentiated with the movement, which movement sight does not perceive directly, but which is perceived by another sense. I'll give you a second to pause on this statement because it's a bit complex, but if sight perceived movement incidentally via the same mechanism with which sight perceives incidentally uh, sweetness in the case of milk, then Aristotle would be saying that sight perceives movement by perceiving a color that happens to be compresent with movement, and movement, which is not perceived by sight directly, would be perceived then by another sense, like the sweetness of the milk is perceived indirectly or incidentally by sight, but there is another sense that has it as its own special sensible, right? So this is where the problem lies, I think, because this other sense, which would be supposed to perceive movement directly by analogy with what happens in the case of incidental perception of white and sweet, could not be a special sense, since if this were the case, then sight too, qua special sense, ought to be able to perceive some common sensibles directly too, and not only incidentally. You see what I'm saying? So if um, the common percept, uh, uh, so, so let's say if movement were perceived incidentally by sight in the same way in which sight see sees incidentally uh, sweetness, Aristotle, to maintain the um, parallelism between the two cases would be committed to say that there must be some special sense which plays the role in relation to movement that uh, taste plays in relation to sweetness in the case of the incidental perception of, of uh, sweetness by sight. But uh, Tim's thesis, um, I think, uh, not what Aristotle would want ever to say, because if this were the case, then would be, he would be committed to say that there is some special sense that can perceive movement directly. And if this is the case, then sight could directly perceive movement too. So why would he bother to say that sight perceives movement incidentally? So this cannot be a solution. No. Uh, special sense on its own can uh, perceive movement, so the analogy with incidental perception cannot stand. But so is Aristotle somehow saying two inconsistent things, you know, or is he, before we come to the inconsistency, is Aristotle here saying something that he cannot um, stand by? Well, uh, I think that the key to solving this, um, and it, the key also to understanding how um, perception of the common sensibles takes place, is this. Each special sense I submit neither uh, fails to perceive a common sensibles, nor succeeds to perceive a... Uh, sorry. Each special sense neither fails to perceive a common sensible, nor succeeds to perceive a common sensible. Rather, each special sense has only a partial grasp of a common sensible. And this, this is because each special sense cannot fully discern and identify a common sensible, because each common sensible is like shape which is tactile and visible. Uh, it's one perceptible which is visible and tactile. 
and if so, it's impossible for any of the special sense senses to fully perceive shape because no special sense can cross over the domain of another sense. Rather, what happens is that the special senses have each a partial grasp of a common sensible. In other words, each special sense perceives an aspect of a common sensible. So when Aristotle talks about uh, the incidental perception by the special senses of the common sensibles, he's using the word incidental in a different way than he was using it when he was talking about incidental perception of the sweet by sight. So uh, in other words, there are two different cases of incidental perceptions. It's a bit unfortunate that Aristotle uses the same term, but the mechanisms are very different. Uh, one is uh, the mechanism that allows sight to perceive sweetness in the case of milk. The other is the, par the, the partial grasp of sight of the visibility of shape, even when sight cannot grasp all the aspects that make up shape, which include, for example, tangible properties that sight cannot have grasped of. So I would propose to kind of rephrase the expression incidental perception in the case of the common sensibles as partial uh, perception. The special senses, yes, can perceive the common sensibles, but only partially because they can perceive aspects of the common sensibles. So they never fully succeed to fully uh, perceive a common sensible, but the the, uh, they don't fail either, they just have a partial perception. And that's how we can make sense of what Aristotle says when he says that the special sensible senses uh, incidentally perceive the common uh, sensibles. Uh, I also said that, uh, I also uh, put to you the, the, uh, the fact that Aristotle uh, expresses himself explicitly saying that the special senses perceive with no qualification uh, the common sensibles and this is because when the special senses are integrated in a full operative uh, perceptual system then they do perceive the common sensibles. It's just that none of the special senses perceive it, perceives it fully. Uh, but before I uh, move on to that, let me just now expand a little bit on this idea of partial grasp of the common sensibles. Let me give you a bit more support to this interpretation now that I put it on the table. So I find support for my proposed interpretation in an interesting thought experiment that Aristotle performs in the De Anima regarding the number of our senses. So he starts off this thought experiment with this question which is on your handout, quote, it might be asked why we have more senses than one. Is it to prevent a failure to apprehend the common sensibles, e.g. movement, magnitude and number, which follow on the special sensible? Question mark. End of quotation. So from this quotation, which is the beginning of the thought experiment, we learn that no one of the common sensibles is tactile or visual or acoustic. Rather, the common sensibles are qualities that follow on to translate liter literally Aristotle or accompany the special sensibles of the special senses. So the word in Greek is akolutunta. So the common sensibles accompany or follow on the special sensibles. This is what I extract from this question that Aristotle poses in the De Anima. Then I want to look at what does accompany or following on mean. My uh, proposal is that the common sensibles accompany the special sensibles in two ways. 
Firstly, the common sensibles are co-instantiated with the special sensibles. So, for example, colored items move and are continuous and have shape or size and uh, they are one or more in number and so on and so forth. So, this, the common sensibles, we find them in nature always co-instantiated with the special ones. So something that moves is also colored and also tangible and so on and so forth. So there is a kind of ontological accompaniment. Um, but there is also a second sense in which the common sensibles accompany the special ones, and that is an epistemological sense, in the sense that the common sensibles are perceived always with the special sensibles. So they cannot be perceived in separation somehow uh, from the special sensibles. We perceive movement by perceiving a colored item that is moving. Uh, recall that I was talking about infallibility and fallibility. And um, again, it is a big question that I cannot investigate in depth here. But the contrast is this. In the case of the uh, of special perception, Aristotle is quite confident that uh, that kind of perception is always infallible. He's not quite uh, equally confident about the perception of the common sensibles. Uh, why? Because there are different degrees of perceptual grasp that we can have of the common sensibles, depending on the varieties of types of special sensibles that uh, the common sensibles are observed to accompany. So the more fully we can discern what each common sensible is, the more aspects of the common sensible we can perceive with more of the special senses involved, the more information, we perceptual information we acquire regarding the common sensibles, and thus the uh, less likely to be mistaken our perception of the common sensibles is. But let me now proceed with the thought experiment that I announced. So it begins with the question of why we have more senses just one. Um, Aristotle proceeds uh, addressing that question with what I call the white world experiment, uh, which is, I think, very helpful to see what Aristotle thinks about the nature of our perception of the common sensibles and the sense in which they accompany the special sensibles. So the experiment goes uh, this way. Uh, it's your, your handout. Uh, quote, had we no sense but sight, and that sense, no object but white, they, i.e. the common sensibles, would have tended to escape our notice and everything would have merged for us into an in indistinguishable identity because of the concomitance of color and magnitude." End of quote. What happens in the white world? Well, the common sensibles uh, do accompany the special sensibles there, so, you know, we can assume at least so. So white objects would have movement, magnitude, number, and so on, just as they do in our world. But in that white world, the common sensibles would escape our notice, and we, all we would perceive by our single sense, namely sight, would be white. Additionally, all we would perceive in that white world would appear to us to be one, because we would have no perceptual access to differentiating features as to, so as to distinguish between things in that world. By contrast, Aristotle proceeds in our world, where we are endowed with more than one special sense, then we can detect movement, for example, because we can perceive differently uh, colored items moving against their background, uh, against background other colored items, and hence we can differentiate color from movement, for example, and the same for, for the other sense modalities. Aristotle writes, towards the end of that experiment, as it is, the fact that the common sensibles, for example, movement, are given, embedded in 
the objects of more than one sense, for example in colored and hard items, reveal their distinction from each and all of the special uh, sensibles. So, uh, end of quote. In sum, the proposal I want to put forward is when we uh, perceive uh, something moving by sight and touch, what happens is that sight and touch each detect aspects of the common sensible, in this case movement. Uh, so each special sense uh, is unable, with the information available to itself, to fully discern the common sensible, but is able to perceive some aspect. And so in the, when more than one sense operate together, what happens is that they make available to the integrated perceptual system information about different aspects of the common sensible, and so they allow us a fuller grasp of the common sensibles. I see that I'm taking up a lot of the time that I've already taken up a lot of the time that I um, had uh, available. So the way I would like to proceed is this. Yeah, what I would like to do is to wrap up a little bit my proposal uh, on this and just say that uh, uh, the special senses perceive with them, perceive the common sensibles, but they, deserve, they perceive them partially and with varying degrees of accuracy, depending on how many uh, senses operate together. Um, but this is the mechanism to, I, I submit uh, via which the special senses allow a uh, perceptual grasp of the common sensibles. There is one more tussle to the mosaic here, that is where does this information, partial information that comes from the special senses go? Well, we need a depository somehow, what is partial information that comes in from the special senses, where this information can be somehow collected and operated on so that the perceiver can have perception of the common sensibles, and this is where the common sense plays a role. So, if ideally, if I had more time, I would say a bit more here about how the common sense enters the picture as where this partial information goes and allows for further perceptual operations that then allow us to perceive objects from perception of the, sense, the common sensibles. It is a too long story for me to say now in a few minutes, but there is at least one step in this uh, reasoning that I can at least put forward, even if I cannot investigate it more here with you. That is that, that is this. It's a partly a refinement of what I already said and partly an extra step. Uh, so recall that I was talking about um, the common sense was accompanying the special uh, senses and I said that is in an ontological sense and an epistemological <coughs> sense. I just want to finish now that thesis. I want to say that uh, in my understanding the common sensibles are basically ways in which the special sensibles are clustered together. There are ways in which the special sensibles are or behave in their special temporal locations. So um, a cluster of special sensibles, this cluster of se special sensibles, is clustered in a particular way, is uh, behaves in a particular way, is one cluster as opposed to a, a bunch of clusters. And these ways of being clusters of the special sensibles in this special temporal location is uh, made available to us perceptually via the perception, perception of what Aristotle calls the common sensibles. So, uh, perception of the common sensibles, I submit, makes a crucial contribution towards the perceiver's awareness and identification of objects, ultimately. Uh, so objects instead of arrays of disjointed perceptible uh, qualities. In 
claiming that the common sense rules accompany the special sense rules, Aristotle is not suggesting that the common sense rules somehow um, appear to the perceiver's awareness as additional properties. This is what I'm trying to say. They are not further qualities that the special senses are um, aware of. Uh, there are rather ways in which the special sen uh, sensibles are simply and also behave in the world. And this awareness of how clusters of special sensibles are and operate uh, in the world is the key to understanding how we perceive um, objects ultimately. I think I really tried your patience already by going on for 55 minutes. So, um, yeah, I'm happy to stop here and look forward to your questions. Thanks very much indeed. Yeah,